Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, Jonah, a man with a second chance. From Jonah, chapter 1 through 4. Here's Pastor Tim. Let me give you number five. Number five, Jonah was prepared. He was prepared. I like this old song by Evie McKinney called Just Like God. And in that song she talks about, she sings about the blessings that come our way when they're unexpected. And she says, ain't that just like God? And, and, then, and then she sings about blessings that come from God which we way don't deserve. And says, ain't that just like God? When you begin to read through the book of Jonah, and we begin to read through these things that he will go through, you shake your head and say, ain't that just like God? So Jonah has said, I'm not going to obey God. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm going in the opposite direction, and I can preach over there because those people need it just as bad as the people in Nineveh. Right? Look at verse number 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. This word that he uses for sent out is, is used three more times in this passage, in this first chapter. And each time, it's translated a, a different way than it is in this one. Notice what he says. Look, if you will, down to verse number 5. It says, The mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. The word threw is the same word as sent out. So what's that tell me? It says that the Lord threw. He hurled a great wind at this ship. They're going to throw Jonah overboard. They're going to throw all of these, this cargo over. And it's the same word. What's God doing? God's using the hands of some sailors to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. He is preparing Jonah to be obedient. You say, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like preparation to me. I mean, if that's preparation, that ain't the kind of preparation I want. That's worse than preparation H. <laughs> preparation hurl. I, I, don't, I don't want that. God will do whatever it takes to get you where God wants you to be. Physically, Spiritually, God will do it. You may not like it, but God will do it. There's a second word here that I think is important for you to know and to understand what it means. Look, if you will, down to verse number 17. Verse number 17 of chapter 1, the very last verse. The Bible says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish... You see, it doesn't say whale, does it? He says, he prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The word for prepared is the word manah. It's a word which means created. 
It's a word that means God created a special fish. God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah and to get him where he needed to go. You see, some people, we, we learn the story that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, and then we look at all the scientists and we say, well, you know, they only had those little screen things on their mouth and they can't open up and, and they're not going to be able to swallow Jonah. He's not going to be able to get in there and stay alive. And it's not a point. If no whale ever swallowed a man, even if the Bible said a whale did it, I still wouldn't have a problem with it because the Bible says it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God created this fish just for Jonah. This is what I think. I don't think there was a fish ever like that one before. I don't think there's ever been a fish like that since. I think God created that fish for that day to swallow Jonah and swim him to where he needed to be. You're going to see that word when you get to the fourth chapter. The Bible's going to say that God, Manah, created a, a wind to come and to blow. It's going to say that it created a, a, a plant that was going to come up. It says that God prepared a worm. And then God prepared yet another wind to come. God prepares all of these things, creates, orchestrates, and synchronizes everything in Jonah's life so that Jonah will be obedient to the Lord. God's going to get you where He wants you to be. Jonah was prepared. Number six, I want you to see that Jonah was penitent. He was penitent, repentant. Look, if you will, down to the second chapter. Let's go there. Look, if you will, in the very first verse. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. All right, so I know what some people are saying. Number one, I still don't understand how he got swallowed. And number two, if he's in the fish's belly, then how's he praying? Right. All right, so here's the answer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I know that he did. And I also know this. If there was ever a time for a prayer of repentance, it's in the belly of a fish. You know? Now, does it really matter? Does it really matter if Jonah got swallowed by a fish? Does it really matter if he prayed this prayer? You better believe it matters. Jesus believed it. Jesus said in the same way that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. If it doesn't matter that Jonah was swallowed and stayed in that fish, then does it matter that Jesus died and was buried for that long? It matters, doesn't it? And if Jesus believed it, that's good enough for me. All right. As you go through his prayer, you discover that it really is a prayer of repentance. I want to cut to the chase. Let's go all the way down to the end of his prayer, which is in verse number 9. Jonah says, But I will sacrifice to you 
with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. What did he vow? He vowed to be a prophet. He he vowed to be a preacher. He vowed to be obedient. What he's saying is, God, I will do what you are calling me, what you are telling me, what you are asking me to do. Now, is it important that he does it? Absolutely. Because you've had those times, haven't you? Where you've said, God, I'm sorry. I sure am sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you call me to do. And then we still don't do it. Right? All right, you ready for your second chance? Here it comes. Look in chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, see if this verse sounds familiar to you in any way. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. He didn't change his mind, did he? He didn't change his mind. The Bible says that the calling of God is irrevocable. Just because you don't want to do what God's called you to do doesn't mean that God says, oh, maybe I made a mistake. Let me me give that job then to somebody else. He has created you to do what He wants you to do. So he tells him the second time, go to Nineveh and preach against it. Now, here's the good part. Look at verse number 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Here's a great phrase. According to the word of the Lord. Repentant. All right. Let me give you you another one. Where are we at? Number 7. Number 7. Jonah was persuasive. Jonah was persuasive. I mean, his, his sermon itself is pretty short. I mean, it's, it's, it's as short as you want me to be. <laughs> that just doesn't work. Look at verse number 4. The entirety of the sermon is captured in one ver- in half of a verse. Look at verse 4. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Hold on just a minute. Just for a minute. What do you think about this? All right? So he created a what to swallow Jonah? A fish, right? Where does fish live? In the water. In this case, in the Mediterranean Sea, right? So Nineveh was 600 miles northeast of, let's say, Jerusalem, Nazareth, Gath Hefer. Northeast means it's even more inland than Jerusalem is. If the whale spits him out on the beach of the Mediterranean, how does he get to Nineveh? More importantly to this verse, how does he get there on the first day? Same way that Elijah ran a hundred miles down a mountain to get away from the rain and to get away from the queen. This is a miracle from God. Can you imagine those people in Nineveh? I mean, they're just going about their daily routine. They're normal. They're doing their normal thing. And in comes the flash. 
<laughs> right? Here comes this guy, his feet are on fire, but his skin is bleached from the acid of a great fish's stomach. He's got seaweed all over him. He's wet, and he stinks like fish vomit. Nobody's going to listen to him, are they? And yet they do. Let's keep reading. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, one of the greatest powers in that day. A power that was so great that they would take, uh, take captive the whole nation of Israel. What you've been studying about in Sunday school, for 70 years they would take them away. Assyria would take them captive. Assyria was so violent and so cruel that they would take the bodies of their victims, impale them on spears to line the side of the main road that led to the main gate in Nineveh. It's a warning, isn't it? Don't mess with us. And Jonah goes in there and says, in 40 days, in just over a month, one of the world's superpowers is going down. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what happened? The Spirit of God took the Word of God, spoken by the man of God, and wielded it like a sharp two-edged sword to the hearts of those people. And look at this response. Look, if you will, in verse number 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Stop. They didn't believe Jonah, it says, because what Jonah is saying is not the important part. They believed God. God Jonah says, this is what God says. They believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. Look at this. From the greatest of them to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh. Uh-oh. But look at this. He arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? You think it's a waste of time to pray for the Bidens? You think it's a waste of time to pray for the Trumps of the world? You think it's a waste of time to pray for those that are in national leadership and think that, that it's never going to change? It changed that day. From the greatest of them to the least. From the king down to the lowest 
servant. They all had real revival. And the next verse says that God relented when they repented. Jonah was persuasive. Finally, number eight, Jonah was a powder. He was a powder. He did. He, I mean, he just pouted. The, 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 if, if the book of Jonah stopped at the end of chapter number three, what a great book it would be. What an inspiring story it would be, you know? I mean, we'd make movies out of this kind of stuff. But chapter four is there. And chapter four tells me that Jonah is just like me. He's just like you. He's a regular person struggling with what he believes and with what he sees. You see, I, I, verse, chapter number 4 tells me that Jonah is merely outwardly compliant while inwardly still rebellious. You know that one, right? The, the, the little boy gets told by his mama to go sit in the corner. And he goes and sits in the corner. While he's sitting in there, he says, I'm standing in my heart. <laughs> That's how we are. Okay, God, you finally got my attention. I'll do what you want me to do. But it's not with a right heart attitude. It's not real obedience. It is mere compliance. And that's where he is. Listen, I don't know one preacher who would not be excited to have a, an altar full of people until I read about Jonah. The Bible says that Jonah is greatly Displeased. In fact, look in verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. If you keep reading, his prayer now becomes, God, see, I told you. Now, why don't you just kill me and get me out of here? Jonah's a powder. He's like a child who doesn't get his way. He's like, he, he's like a little baby. Who, who, whose mama won't feed him when he wants to be fed, who won't give him the toy that he wants when he wants to play, who won't do for him at his beck and call. He's a crybaby. He's a powder. And God asked him the question that he will ask you at some point. He asked Jonah this question twice. In verse number 4 and in verse number 9, and he might ask you more than twice. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? There's an obvious no answer to that question. You see what Jonah has to say? It is right for me to be angry. It is right. Listen, if your whole world revolves around you, then you're going to think that it's okay for you to be angry. When 120,000 people just got saved, and you're mad because they did. You know, to come and report those 39 professions of faith, man, we clap. That's incredible, incredible. But not everybody gets happy. When somebody gets saved or the church begins to grow. 
Suddenly, I don't have the control that I used to have. I don't get to, I don't get to dictate the way that I used to. All the while, God is at work all around you. And there you stand on an island of rebellion, wishing that God would just take you on. What you really need is what Jonah got and what Jonah needs once again at the end of chapter 4. You need a second chance. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Do you want one? Would you ask Him for that? God, please. Please give me a second chance. I'm not promising that I'm going to win this time or I'm going to do, do better this time. But I am going to depend on you this time. And see what happens. Maybe you're like that king. Maybe you're like those 120,000 who needs to give their heart to Jesus. That's you today. If you need to do that, why don't we do that? Like those 120,000, like those 39 in Habersham. Maybe you need to plant your life in the life of our church. Maybe there's something specific that you want me to pray with you about. Or shoot, why not just come to the altar? Just you and the Lord, or you and a friend in the Lord. Okay? Let's do some business with God today. Father, if your spirit can take your word, spoken by nobody's mouth, into the heart of everybody, I pray that you would wield your sword effectively today and right now in this moment. Move us to do what we ought to do. Not being outwardly compliant, but being inwardly obedient. And we will praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me where you are. If you need to come, I invite you to come. Sean. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at britdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.